Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey, your host, and joining us, Aubrey, our co-host. So excited to be here, Nothing Is Wasted, for the third episode in our business finance series. And yep. in this one, we're going to get real practical. So I'm excited about that because I yes. feel like we're going to have some handholds to grab onto for this one. That's right. And if you're wondering, okay, you're just showed up right in the middle of the series. You're going, okay, the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I thought you help people with pain and suffering. Why are we talking about finances. Here's why, because we are trying to find every avenue of pain that you might be experiencing. And so we want to do mm-hmm. a series because a lot of people are experiencing pain surrounding their finances or Absolutely. as a secondary pain to their trauma, their tragedy, their major life transition, financial strain. And so we want to equip you the best that we possibly can. Um, and we have a, a great conversation today with this guy named Ryan Mack. He's the president of Optimum Capital Management and has created financial workshops and programs and provided keynote presentations nationwide to some of the largest organizations. I mean, NAACP, NASA, you name it. He's probably been there and done it. He, he's just really, I mean, really, really sharp guy. Um, So he is going to give us very practical financial steps. Like I said, so grab, if you're, as long as you're not driving, grab a piece (laughs) of paper or get your notes out on your phone, because you are going to want to learn from this guy as he gives all of us skills to uh, manage our money in a way that honors God and leads to flourishing. Before we jump into your conversation with Ryan, We would love to ask you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We want to know how the podcast is meeting you, how God is meeting you through your headphones. And so you can find us on Apple Podcasts, rate and review us there. Love it. Make sure you stick around afterwards as Aubrey and I kind of dissect the conversation and provide some of our own commentary. Um, And let's go ahead and dive into this conversation I have with Ryan Mack. Ryan, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Man, I'm so happy to be here and uh, blessed and highly favored. And, and thank you for the work that you continue to do uh, throughout the community. It's been a, a, a very blessing for a lot of individuals, including myself. Uh, well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. And I'm excited about getting to know you and our listener, getting to know you and a little bit of your story, but also the stuff that you do, because you're helping so many people, so many individuals, so many organizations and helping them to, in a lot of ways, take back their fina- their finances and, and put it under uh, God's control and um, helping them to steward their resources for the kingdom, which is just an incredible, incredible thing. Um, but you didn't just kind of land in that. So well, I'd love to get to your story here in a second, but give us a little bit of context first of who you are, what you do right now, present day. Well, today I, I teach financial literacy and um, my God has put me on a mission to make sure that as many individuals as we can possibly reach and touch and uh, determining his will uh, and managing his resources effectively. We own nothing. Everything belongs to God. Uh, but we are stewards of that. And as we become stewards, can we one day say, well done, good and faithful servant, and hear him say to us, uh, you've been a master over a few, I'll make you ruler over many. So these are the things that I want to educate individuals. We work with gang members. We work with those who are formerly incarcerated. We work with union members. Uh, Just today, uh, we're working uh, with 1199 SEIU, about 440,000 members. Many of these are healthcare workers. Um, uh, and we, uh, 
Uh, and of that group, uh, we just finished a curriculum for about 58,000 home care workers. Uh, and many of them in the city of New York earning between 20 and $30,000 a year. So you can, uh, and that's on an average. So some individuals are actually making less than that. So our adage has always been, how do we uh, reach those to help those? And because God has a mission for all of us and God has a, a need for all of us to fulfill his will and the lack of money should not be an inhibitor to that. So uh, I don't, a lot of individuals think when they sit in a session that uh, I'm going to teach about getting rich and wealthy. That's not really my thing. My thing is, how do we remove the worry and anxiety from your, your life about finances? And we do that by helping them manage these resources effectively. Who builds a tower without first counting the cost to complete it, as it says in Luke? We have to help people build towers of retirement, build towers of budgeting, build towers of financial independence. Whatever that tower is, we got to help them to do that so they can focus on the reason that they're here. Um, and if they get rich in the process, beautiful thing. Um, but I, my mother raised us on welfare and um, I believe she was always prosperous. And, uh, you know, uh, so prosperity is definitely something that we do teach and educate. I think prosperity in and of itself has gotten a bad rap. Doesn't this, it's not a financial term, prosperity. It's achieving a certain level of desire in life. She was spiritually prosperous, socially prosperous, she was in the word, getting us in church on Sunday. She was giving back to her community. She was physically prosperous, trying to be as healthy as possible, feeding us good meals. Um, she was mentally prosperous, having a strong mind to say that raising two children by herself, she can still provide the lifestyle that uh, is necessary um, and move out of the hood and, and, and protect us and keep our houses safe. The financial prosperity came a little bit for her later on. Um, but it was, it was never, I guess, worldly rich, but it was always heavenly prosperous. And so um, even though we had to eat that gov- the cheese that didn't melt in the oven and the, 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 the box of cornflakes that just says cornflakes on it, we never knew we were broke or poor for that matter. We were always content and happy with our, what, we, what we had. Wow. Wow. Well, it's, uh, I mean, super apparent that you're extremely passionate about this, especially helping people who uh, maybe w- wouldn't otherwise have the resources to be able to, you know, become literate in this area. That passion has got to be fueled by something. There, there's got to be a story behind all of this. So uh, talk to me about what got you into this. Why are you so excited about helping people in this? Well, I mean, uh, again, growing up in Detroit, We've seen a lot of poverty. I've experienced poverty uh, personally. Uh, I eventually went to University of Michigan, got my degree in finance. Uh, I took a job at the largest NASDAQ trading firm in the world, was a biotechnology stock trader, made some good money, uh, made some dumb decisions (laughs) with that money. Uh, Again, because a lot of times when you have a humble upbringing, and you don't have that introspective of exactly what money is supposed to be. You make those bad decisions. And I'm was a part of that spending money and showing off and doing all those stupid things that young folks do. But from that, I remember my aunt called me and said, uh, Ryan, what is a stock? Here I'm at the largest NASDAQ trading firm in the world. And my aunt is calling me, asking me, what is a stock? And it just blew my mind that she had to ask that very simple question. 
So I decided to start educating and writing about stocks. And then in the process of writing about stocks, I formed a Yahoo group. And then I started to educate. Uh, people started asking me questions about credit. I didn't know anything about credit. And so I started to expand and research other things about finance. Um, and then I said, you know, let me just go ahead and resign from here and go into financial planning because it seemed like a natural transgression. And um, I went and I got an offer from uh, uh, an organization and they said, and I was so excited, you know, to get this offer from this firm. And I won't say the name of it. Um, he said, and I, I went in to sign the paperwork and they said, you know, Ryan, unless, and I said, man, I'm going to take you to my church. I'm going to take you to the hood. I'm going to take you everywhere to just take this information all over because I want people to learn about money. And he said, Ryan, I'm going to hate to burst your bubble, man, but unless, unless you work with high net worth individuals, everybody else is a waste of time. Mm. And so, I mean, the Bible says, Proverbs 327, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. And it's funny because that's how God shows you things. And I, I was reading that Bible that night something resonated with me and I opened up literally to that verse. I'll never forget that day. And it was almost God trying to tell me, Ryan, you have the power to do a whole lot more than what they're trying to tell you you can and can't do. So that's when I started Optimum Capital Management. Um, and then at that time, uh, I remember there was that, that April, it was 2005, I saw a little girl and it was about a year, about a year later after starting my business. I saw a girl who had gotten shot in my neighborhood and she was murdered. She's about 12 years old. And that's 2005. And I remember having to walk across the street because they were pulling the sheet over the top of her head. And I knew that it was a, a gang related incident. And lot what we had heard even on the news and from the people around the neighborhood, that it was the bloods who were controlling that corner on Fulton and Vanderbilt. But it was a gang-related cross-firing that she got caught in. And so I started, I said, God, we, we've got to do something about this. I'm not going to sit back and allow myself to feel that she deserved that. At that point in time, I had had five of my good friends over the past 10 years before that killed by gun violence. A uh, god brother, a god sister, uh, two fraternity brothers, and uh, a, another dear friend of mine. Um, and so I, I said, there has to be a better way. So I said, you know, just started to think about and racking my brain around all this violence and what do we do to stop it? And I started to realize that there had to be a story or something similar. What if there's a way to empower those who had the gun to give them something that can create another avenue for them outside of just crime. And, uh, and then we started to find that there's a common thread. I said, wow, God put me in the right place at the right time. And so I started to connect with those who were formerly incarcerated. That's the first time I really started to work inside of prisons. And I met a couple of good friends of mine, rest in peace, Darnell Canada, and uh, a good buddy of mine is still this day. We work together, Martin Allen. These are folks that spend between nine and 30 years in prison. And we worked and I joined their organization and we started to work together. And we worked with over 2,000 individuals over the next two years who were formerly incarcerated. And of those 2,000, over 2,000, over 60% of them started their own businesses, kept jobs for over six months, 
uh, less than 5% went back to prison. Um, and because I was the one, I was the money guy, right? I was teaching and educating. And the beautiful part about this whole thing was we didn't get a dollar of funding from any government organization or anything. It was all self-funded because we all had our own businesses and we all created our own money to give back and educate. And I said, wow, this is, you know, uh, this is the Elijah moment that all of us have a, a, a widow at the end of our journey that we can breathe life into. And we're all walking our own journey. And at the end of that road, the, the, the purpose of that is not for the own benefit, it's for someone else. But in order to have that road, you have to pay attention to what God is saying to you all along the way, because God is going to direct you and direct your steps all along the way. And uh, and then when you get there, you'll realize why you're there. And then you breathe life into that widow's child. It'll come back to life. And then you continue along that journey because it never ends. And so that's kind of since then, I've, I've made a dedicated effort that I'm going to use these skills that God has given me to learn as much as I can and then give back as frequently as much as I can to as many underserved individuals. We help youth aging out of foster care, do a lot of work with veterans. I love working with veterans. One of my favorite groups, returning citizens, homeless shelters even. People saying, why are you going to homeless shelters? I said, because that's where, where God says he directed us to go and you pay attention to the least of those you know, pray for the the widow, the fatherless. That's where that, that's where we're supposed to go because if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And uh, I do believe that they can also make provisions for the abundant blessings that's coming to them if we take a little time to help. So that's kind of uh, the road I'm continuing to walk on now. And I, I want to make a scalable difference and shut these check cash in places down. Wow. Wow. You know, there's a few things that really stuck out to me as you were talking about that. One of those, though, is... Um, we talk with a lot of people, you know, in, in the coaching things that we do with our certified guides with, through our pain to purpose course. Um, but a lot of people are listening to this podcast who they've walked through something traumatic. They've walked through and they've healed well through it. Now they want to turn around and they want to help somebody else. Uh, but they're trying to figure out how do I, um, how do I fund that? How do I actually, you know, because a lot of times when you, when you step out into ministry or creating a nonprofit or doing whatever it is to help other people, you, you have trouble figuring out how to sustain that financially so that you can continue to help other people. I find it so fascinating that what you said, literally one of the questions I was going to ask you, Ryan, is how did you guys fund this as you were going into these prisons and helping uh, you know, those who were incarcerated, formerly incarcerated to get back up on their feet financially. And you said that you guys self-funded, you didn't take any funding from the government. You didn't, you weren't strapped in that way whatsoever. Can you dive into that a little bit further? Like, how would you suggest that somebody, what did that look like for you guys? How would you suggest somebody begin to step into that if they're wanting to, to create something that will help other people? Well, I want to uh, explain two ways, right? The first way, the, 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 when it's all one way, but the godly way that I, the path I chose um, is funny too, because I remember working with a group of students. I would, I would give back all the time. Freely you have received freely. You shall give. Mm. Right. So I would teach step when I was on wall street every Friday after work, and I would get off at four o'clock market close, go straight to the school and teach step. I started to work with those who are uh, in high school when I started my own business uh, to teach financial literacy. And soon enough, and now again, I'm starting my own business 
and my funding had run out. I mean, my money, my, I budgeted for about a one tangible principle was that uh, the money I was going to use to buy a home at the time ended up being my, self, my startup fund for my business for optimum capital management. It's about 28,000 and change uh, plus enough money to live for about 11 months that I had saved up. That was going to be my house fund money. But I said, you know, the, you know, the Bible says take care of the work in the field first and then establish their home. So um, that's what I did. Right. So, uh, Meanwhile, I'm steady every Wednesday teaching these kids financial literacy. They turn around, start teaching adults financial literacy in the community. And from that, in the, in the audience, uh, remember, this is no, in November, no, actually 2007, I'm still working hard, trying to keep, uh, make, put two and two pennies together. Um, because I'm believing that there's a way that I can reach a lot of people. And I was an awful salesman. I got to tell you, um, <laughs> I was, I did, I, I, I'm not, I was, I talked myself out of every sale. Cause I'm like, no, you don't need all that insurance. My mother was like, Ryan, you're an insurance salesman. I said, everything's set up. Um, but I'm an awful salesman, but then black enterprise was in the audience of one of these youth workshops. And uh, just happened to see this 16-year-old teaching adults about how to improve their credit and diversifying their 401k program. And so they said, wow, this is crazy. It's 16, 17. They did a story. And at that point, I got to believe I was the, black, the, the most brokest person to ever appear in Black Enterprise Magazine. And I got so much attention for that article. And it suited up everybody, all these kids around me. Um, people not knowing what I'm going through, you know, I was faking it till I was making it. And, um, I just kept going. And from that, I ran into another friend of mine, uh, well, about a week before I was looking at the TV screen. I saw Jerry Willis, who's a good friend of mine to this day. She does stuff with Fox now, but, um, I saw her on CNN at the time and I said, wow, Jerry, I, she's the personal finance editor. Didn't know. I said, she's talking about finance. God, I want to do that. I'm tired of struggling. I want to do that. And from that, about a week later, I ran into Alicia Stewart on the train. She just happened to get a job at CNN. And so nine days after I'm yelling at the screen at Jerry Willis, I'm on CNN with Jerry Willis. Uh, because that was kind of the catapult from the Black Enterprise article that led to the CNN coverage that led to, because God said, this guy can't sell for anything, so we need to give him an audience because he's not going to be able to sustain himself. And from that, that helped me keep the keep the lights on. I started getting way more calls than I could turn away. Um, and I got in a, a good support network because, I again, I was – I was great at visionary stuff, and my weakness was always the, the operations part. So I got Christina Hodges, who was a good friend of mine, at, uh, and she jumped on to handle the operations of the insurance sales. Um, so she started to write the policy. As I would sell it, give it to her, she would write it. We'd split the commissions. And that became the driver for everything else. And I was always teaching. I was always teaching. I always say entrepreneurs, just give and give and teach your craft. Teach, teach, teach. God put a message in your heart. Give it to folks. And don't be afraid of being used. You can't, there's, you, you serve a limitless God, use it. And there's not enough blessings in the world that God will ever run out of giving you. So continue to give, give, give. Um, freely you should give. And I would teach everywhere I could. And from that, and developing a, a, a database, uh, got a, at one point I had over 
maybe 30,000 names before the whole CRM model was even popular. The constant contact was even, so I'm sending out all this stuff and I started to get speaking engagements. So then, uh, then I said, maybe I need to write a book of this workshop. So that became the, one of the first, well, I written two books, like Tavis Smiley asked me to write a book and then uh, write a piece of it. And Kevin Pye asked me to write a piece of his book. And then I wrote my own book. And then, so that came out and that came out. So it, it just snowballed. It just yeah. kept going. And meanwhile, the, the, my, 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 my biggest driver and all of that was just God, man. It was, I look back on it now. It's like, man, you know, uh, but you, it was, it was, a, you know, faith would have not works is dead. So um, the work that it took to, to continue to study, to continue to learn, to continue to teach, walk into the workshops with, holes in my shoes because I didn't have enough money to buy brand new shoes and getting my feet wet to teach folks about money. And here I am, came buy new shoes, but I'm teaching them about money. Um, and just doing all this, I never stopped and I didn't quit. So at that point I was able to recognize, I can recognize now that there was the, cause faith is a mathematical equation. You have half of it is belief. The other half is, is, is work. And so it's, and it's action. You have to have both working together to show you have faith. Because if you believe without the action, there's no work, there's no faith. But if you have action but don't believe it's going to work, there's no faith. So all of that together really became the ultimate driver. Um, and to this day, every every workshop I always talk about, we I, I always start out with faith as the most essential element of any financial strategy. Because you name, there's no such thing as a financial plan that's not created with faith because it's no point in putting a plan together with something that you already see. You're putting a plan together to go after something that you don't have. So the essence of financial planning is faith. You don't see the retirement yet. You're saving for it. You don't see the new house. You don't see that business. You don't see your good credit score. You don't see your uh, totally debt-free life. You don't see any of that yet but you're planning to get it. So you put together a strategy that says, okay, I believe it's going to happen, but now here's the action. That's where the finance comes in of how to get where I need to go. It's a beautiful thing when it comes together. It's nothing. And the secret, it really is just God. I, I can't even give it to someone else. It's God and he'll direct your steps. Wow. Wow. Well, and principally what you're, what you're saying is you just showed up to the quote unquote marketplace yeah. trying to add value. That's it to give it away. Right. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's such a scriptural principle, right? Scripture tells us that Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. There was a purpose behind Abraham's blessing. He wasn't just blessed for it to terminate on himself. He was blessed so that he could pour it into other people. And that's God's design for us as believers is no matter what comes into our life, he's looking for us to be a conduit to pour it into other people. And so you show up and all you have is literacy, essentially like knowledge to educate people. And so you're like, I'm just going to show up with value. I'm going to show up and I'm going to show up and I'm going to show up. And the more you show up with value, the more value then returns to you. I wish I could tell you, man, like there was times where, uh, like I remember one time when I said, man, you know what, God, I literally, I, I, the relationship with God is so key, you know, because God came to form a relationship with us. He yeah. wants us to, to talk to him and be, and what, what, I remember praying. I said, God, there got to be a way so I can teach in these schools. I got a phone call 20 minutes later from an insurance agency that helped my business to 
get inside of schools and form networks. Literally, 20, stuff like that was happening. And it, it was almost like God was saying, okay, I know he's ready for this now. Mm. He's asking for it now. So now let me give it to him. Mm. Um, and and, it, and it's, it's been like that. I mean, the relationship I have with God is just, just I wouldn't give it up for the world. You know, and that's what the Bible says. What good is it to gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Um, and and I know that I know for a fact that we are preparing for an eternal life, right? This is not we're not just preparing for today. We're preparing for a life for an eternal life, and the things that we do all falls in line with the the the, the ability to make this world, this place, is the best way possible. And I know that's what God gave me. So you right now. Uh, I just show up and I don't stop. I'm not going to stop. And sometimes I get, get discouraged. Uh, COVID has been challenging. I've lost eight friends from COVID. But I know that God is real through all of it. Through all of this, I know that God is real. And the, through, through the isolation, I talk to a lot of folks via this medium now, via Zoom. Um, and I, a lot of individuals are going through things that they're not familiar to. Um, and I say, well, you know what? God also operates in the unfamiliar circumstances, just like in the familiar circumstances. So, hey, he's, he's real no matter whether you know it or not, because he knows everything. So uh, you don't have to know it to still lean on. Him. And that's the that, that's what I think that helped. I, I try to get and in the process of that. Let's make sure that when this pandemic or is done, that we have a little bit of savings and we're not worried about debt on the other side of it. Yeah. Hey there, I just want to take a moment to thank you for being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted community. It still feels surreal to me how many people we are able to reach with this podcast, with our courses, our coaching, and all of the other things that we offer. And the numbers keep growing. It has been so encouraging to see people going through the Pain to Purpose course by themselves, with their community group, or with the help of a Pain to Purpose certified guide. These people are recovering from trauma, repairing the broken pieces, and reigniting their purpose. And that gets me fired up. While all of this is true, we are also hyper aware that so many in our community are going through trials or transitions in their lives where they have incurred financial loss. Because of this, we offer pain to purpose course and coaching scholarships. You can make a difference in someone else's healing journey by making a tax-deductible donation to pay for one or multiple scholarships, especially if you have already found healing for yourself and are now looking for ways to partner with God to help others find healing. This is a great way to be able to do that. If this is something that you are interested in giving to, just head to nothingiswasted.com donate and make a tax-deductible donation of any amount. Just make sure you select the Pain to Purpose course slash coaching scholarship fund on the drop-down menu. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash donate. You know, I'm kind of thinking of the people who are listening to this. I'm, I kind of think of them in, in three different phases or three different chunks maybe categories, if you will, of, of where they're at in their life journey. And so therefore where they're at financially. 
some people who are listening to this, they are like in the thick of crisis. Yeah. You know, they've just kind of barely emerged from tragedy. I was just talking with a, a widow today who, you know, just back in December lost her husband. I mean, Ooh. not even 40 years old, just kind of a freak thing. And she's, she's telling me I am right now dealing with all of the, the financial stuff that she has never dealt with before. Right. He's always taken care of it. And so she's inundated with this, trying to figure it out. Like there's a lot of, um, uh, collateral damage or overflow that happens in the midst of crisis when it comes financially. So there's one phase is people are like, I'm in the midst of crisis right now. COVID is another example of that. Another phase would be like, okay, I feel like I'm kind of like, I, you know, I'm kind of back. I'm, I'm at a new normal from whatever this trauma or tragedy is. And I'm just trying to figure out financially, just the kind of the quote unquote normal everyday financial struggles that we deal with. And then there's a whole nother phase of people who are saying, I'm trying to figure out how I can give back. You know, mm. I'm trying to figure out how I can like what we just talked about pouring into people. Maybe we take the rest of this conversation and let's break out those three phases. You know, let's talk to the people who right now are feeling like they're in crisis. They're in, I mean, COVID is a massive example of that. What should we do in the midst of crisis and trauma? What are the first like pillars or tenets that we need to put in place financially to make sure that we are, we are okay. We're in this thing for the long haul that our house is going to stand and we're stewarding God's resources well in that phase. Well, if you do have a family, now's the time to, um, now's the time to have a family discussion. Um, uh, during these times, the family support can be, can be vital to economic stability. Uh, it's time to bring together the family, to have conversations around job loss and how it might have impacted the household, have tangible conversations. And again, even if you're by yourself, having a conversation with yourself, lifestyle changes, health precautions, and what you might have to do to make sure you're staying healthy. Um, any previous plans that you had had before that might have to get adjusted, that vacation that you don't want to try to take any anymore now, or maybe you want to scale it down a little bit. Uh, the shopping schedule, that's become a, a huge uh, shift um, uh, in many individuals' lives. So it's time, to it's time to just talk to your family. Let's reassess our goals. Uh, we might have had some real realizations about various financial habits and needs. Um, if we haven't written down your goals, if you haven't written down your goals, now is the time to write them down. Now it's time to write them down. Um, you know, the future might not be as clear to you as, as it once was. But we have to make sure that we can focus on the things that we can control and start to really just assembling a strategy around it. You know, can we identify and, and, and write those goals down? Make sure that they're smart, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-bound. We've heard that. Um, organize your goals by time frames. Which ones are most important now versus when you need to can hold off on a little bit. Evaluate. And then we, we got to evaluate. Now, have we... Uh, how good, and if you're, especially if you're now the time, especially if you're married, um, to, to lean on your, your, your spouse or your, your children, talking to a lot about with single parents. Again, uh, my mother used to have conversations with us about finances, um, evaluating that. Um, we got to reassess our budgets. Um, and this time now, especially costs have may have decreased. We got like dining out. That's not as much anymore. 
Transportation, a lot of folks are not going as much anymore. Haircuts, you can see for me, <laughs> you know, we're not getting as many haircuts as before. Dry cleaning bills, I can't remember, tell you last time I've been to the dry cleaner. Fitness classes that you don't take. Movie theaters, who goes to the movies anymore nowadays? Airplane tickets, these are various costs that you can look at your budget and say, okay, we might have to rechange those things out. But then there are certain things that might have increased, like, you know, subscriptions. Everybody's streaming now. You know, online services, food delivery. Uh, so these are the things that we have to really reassess in our budget to make sure that what was once not as much that now becomes, okay, oh, well, I'm saving money in airline tickets, so let me spend double that in food delivery. No, it's not. that's not how we're supposed to operate. So let's really make sure that we're reassessing in, in the most effective way so we can still, if we can, contribute more to our savings. Uh, and then we have to plan for the irregular income uh, using things like a, a zero-sum budgeting strategy. That's one of the strategies we use for uh, the home care workers, mm. where what we did was we set up a, stra- a budgeting strategy, and I talked to many of them almost every day, if not every other day, where uh, because they have sometimes an irregular income, and, you know, especially for those home care workers who work in between, uh, you have one person that you've been taking care of for four or five months, it might pass away or get better. Uh, and then now you have to maybe have two months or one month between the next customer that you work with. Um, so what we've done is all of their paychecks goes directly into savings. And if the entire, let's say the entire thing, uh, if, if, you know, your entire paycheck every two weeks goes directly into savings. So that's $3,000 goes directly into savings you've calculated that it costs about $25 or $2,600. I'm just throwing out numbers here. $2,600 to of all your expenses. And so you take that $3,000, put it in, it goes into savings. You take $2,500 out, leave the $500. That $2,500 goes directly to your, sa- to your, your, your everyday expenses. Ideally, at the end of the month, you have $0 in that account because you – uh, accurately or reflected how much you've been saving. So that way you're, you're forcing yourself to make sure each dollar goes towards something. And this time we have to make sure every single dollar that we spend is labeled for something. And obviously that does include personal savings as well. Um, reassessing banking relationships. Can we reduce fees on our bank accounts? Can we consider a higher yield savings account using websites like bankrate.com? Reading the fine print on our credit cards and making sure that we're not uh, spending a a lot of extra money. Um, Doing things like debt relief, uh, you know, school loan relief. We've seen following the legislation that goes out like the CARES Act, they extended it for various debt relief, so where they did, did, individuals didn't have to pay uh, interest payments, uh, and, and 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 interest didn't continue to accrue. Um, can we reduce credit card usage? Can we credit card usage? Can we figure out what's the priority? And uh, are we going to uh, reduce interest payments on debt? Can we have more liquidity? What what's your priority? You want to? Uh, uh, how are you going to organize your debt? Are you going to organize it? Using the snowball method with the highest amount on top and the lowest on bottom, you pay it up, or the highest interest rate on top, uh, you start paying that. All these things are just really, and how do we organize our finances? I just taught a class the other day about making sure that our finances are organized. 
because uh, you'd be surprised at making sure that all your documents are in the way. Actually, it's a great book uh, that I use, a good buddy of mine, David Bach. Um, and he's got a good book on uh, how to uh, effectively organize your finances. Yeah. Um, so th- those are just some, I just on top that some things that uh, I can think of that really putting together a solid strands and a, a solid plan and uh, and an effective strategy to to navigate your way through these hard times, man. Yeah. And um, uh, and, and all the while be prayerful. Mm. Got to stay prayed up, man. We got to stay prayed up and asking. We don't be afraid to bashful to ask for God because what you can't do in the natural, God's going to give to you in the supernatural. Mm. That's good. That's good. Okay, so well, let's take kind of that second phase then. Let's say I've got that plan in place that my budget's, you know, intact. Everything feels like it's very well organized. We've been running the play, sticking to the plan. Uh, I'm not in the, in any kind of major crisis right now. You know, I haven't lost my job during COVID. I feel like, yeah, things feel a little bit unnerving around me right now, but I, you know, financially we've stayed on par with what we, you know, I've been doing the past few years. So nothing's really shifted or shaken there. However, I do feel like there's things in the future that I want to, you know, um, aspire to or things that I want to, you know, I want to, I want to start eventually some kind of a 501c3 to help somebody, or I do want to start some kind of a program. I want to give back to people who have experienced the same kind of thing that I have experienced. So what do I do in this phase right now? Well, if you're in that phase, God bless you. Um, there's not a lot of folks in that phase, mm-hmm. uh, at least not from not talk. I know there there are folks, but I just maybe talk to a lot of folks that are, are struggling. But God yeah. bless you. Um, I would definitely focus on uh, minimizing money heaven. Uh, money heaven to me is uh, when you spend money and it goes into this place and you never see it again. Okay, and uh, money heaven is essentially minimizing your debt. Now is a time where Individuals get very comfortable uh, at taking on additional debt. Uh, you can you use your phone. This phone, man, is this is a debt magnet. We're we're spending money like crazy using our, our cell phones nowadays. So we minimize our debt, minimize our taxes. Have you done all you can to minimize your taxes? Are you maximizing your IRA or any other type of qualified accounts, 401k, or if you're, if you're in a nonprofit or a hospital, 403b? or in municipality, 457, uh, are you maximizing, are you minimizing your, your taxes, your living expenses, uh, and, and, and really looking at your budget, doing that reassessment of your budget, and not, making sure not anything is squeaking through the, the, the cracks, and then um, maximi- minimizing your, irres- what I call, uh, uh, irresponsible giving, where it's good to give, but uh, uh, a lot of times uh, I've met a lot of individuals who are in that position where uh, individuals perceive them in their family as, oh, wow, they have a lot of money to give, so I'm going to always continue to hit them up on, uh, for money, like my father. My father's that universal giver, and what we had to do was to create a system where we gave the money, but we also created a system that made the person accountable for giving it back or uh, doing things like a promissory note, helping that we helped uh, my cousin start a business. Uh, we helped another cousin to uh, enroll in GED courses and go back to school. Uh, you know, so uh, there had to be say, you know what, we're going to give this to you, but we don't want to have you 
to rely on. You should be relying on God, not on my father. Okay. Um, I'm just about, about a year ago, uh, a little over that now, we had, uh, I do a lot of work with gang members and they asked me and they said, Ryan, I want to, uh, you know, let me get a hundred dollars. And it was two of them. I said, I'll give you a hundred bucks. They said, really? I said, yeah. So I said, you need to go to Wix.com and start a website for your graphic design company. You need to go to Ink It Now and uh, at least print out the first page at the library to, so I can show you you went to Ink It Now and started the process of forming a business. You have to go to Brooklyn Educational Opportunity Center to print out the GED uh, completion page. And then I have a, a workshop on this date. You need to film it and you need to create the flyer for it. And they, I, they did all of it and I gave them a hundred bucks and pretty much I was paying them for services at that point. And uh, it became a level of being able to give, but then not having them be uh, not accountable or responsible with it. Um, so that those are four things that we need to do to just, man, again, living expenses, taxes, debt, irresponsible giving, minimize those things. So you, you then can maximize uh, a pre, uh, what is beautiful words, capital appreciation. Oh, I love when you can appreciate your capital that goes towards, uh, and then you have to put a price tag on it. You know, again, who builds a car without first time counting the cost to complete it? How much does your retirement cost? You'd be amazed on how few people know that answer. How much is it going to cost you to sustain your life in retirement? How much does that 501c3 cost? If you wanted to do a nonprofit, that's a beautiful thing. Well, how much is it going to cost you? How are you going to pay for it? Where's the money going to come from? Uh, how much is it going to cost for you to send your kid to school? How much is it going to cost for you to start a business? How much is it going to cost for you to uh, buy a home? Whatever your lifestyle desire is, once you've minimized money heaven and money is flowing through to your lifestyle, then you can use your budget, which is the engine of financial uh, planning, to figure out how long it's going to take for you to achieve that ending uh, goal of retirement or whatever your financial goals are. Um, and, and it's a beautiful thing because it all comes together because you can calculate it. And it's a, you don't have to, it, it, it takes away a lot of the guesswork, you know, of, of using websites like, um, like fincalc.com. You know, and the beautiful part about this is that like, there's so many resources out here nowadays that people can use for free. Um, one thing we're starting, we're doing a, a lot of workshops and Zoom workshops um, and we've got uh, uh, AARP Foundation, I'm working with them as well, to do uh, Zoom workshops for across the country. And anybody from any zip code, they email me. I get emails every day. Hey, Ryan, I'm in New Orleans. And I answer their question. And then I just say, hey, here's, a, here's the uh, five organizations in your community that you can go to free of charge that can you be your own financial coach. Um, and as resources are there, you know, Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians 1 and 8, blessed be the Lord and Father of our God, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. God has given us everything to sustain ourselves through this moment, not just any moment, this moment, okay? And he, we can always say that. So we just have to look around and say, what did God give me that we can manifest what he gave me in the spiritual to manifest it in the physical. What did, what did he give me? Okay. Oh, he gave me this. And so that's what I'm proving. Just so, I mean, my services are paid for by the organizations who bring me in to educate their people. So I don't have to charge anybody anything. Cause that's what I pray for. And then I, I'll, 
I'm awful salesman. I don't like selling stuff, but I do like helping to folks to get to where they need to go. And I answer questions every single day and I don't have to charge. And it's a beautiful thing. Mm. That's awesome, man. Well, I got one more question for you. When it comes to emotional healing, we talk about, you know, brokenness oftentimes is a mindset, mm. right? I mean, you think about the guy at, uh, in John chapter five, Jesus comes to the pools of Bethesda and he's sitting there on his mat. He's been there for 38 years. And Jesus asked him the question, do you want to be well? Mm. Jesus was addressing his mindset more than he was addressing the physical ailment that was going on there. Right? Well, I imagine you're working with a lot of people who are in broken situations financially. Um, and, and, being broke financially is also a mindset. Yeah. What are some of the limiters, the mindset limiters that you're experiencing that impede people from really experiencing, um, you know, this, uh, a, a life where they can not only support and sustain themselves, but also can, can help other people, you know, stepping into more financial abundance. Yeah. It's a great question. Um, I have a gap, right? And I used to feel very, uh, uh, sub had a strong insecurity about my gap, right? Couldn't smile, um, would always focus on it. Did Invisalign at one point, it worked. Stopped, didn't do the retainer, gap came back, right? So um, the insecurity that I feel, and sometimes it comes back, if I'm honest, sometimes it comes back there's this gap that's a deficiency that, that would make me not act or operate to full effectiveness. I wouldn't want to smile. I would cower in and, and not be as talkative to other folks, be shy with women, uh, talking to, to, to individuals that I might find as a potential suitor. Um, but then God, right? Uh, when you truly understand the power of God, you understand that God is a gap filler. Mm. And God, uh, to this day, I'll say it, I don't have a gap. You understand? Mm -hmm. Because God filled it for me. I can smile because I don't have a gap. Well, Ryan, I'm looking at your gap right now. Well, you can see it, but I don't, I don't see the gap because God has filled it for me. He's filled it for something that you can't see, but I can feel. And that's such, to me, a parallel to what many individuals are going through. Everyone has a gap. Everyone has something that they feel that they're deficient in that gives them a level of insecurity. So therefore, they're not able to operate effectively. And then many times that causes them to make financial decisions based upon that gap that they perceive that they have. I can't start a business. I'm not, I can't do it. I don't want to go for that job. That's not for me. I'm not good enough. I have a gap. I'm not uh, able to make it through uh, uh, these hard times. I got a gap, right? It's this gap that we're struggling to get through. Um, and sometimes I do have to break it down from a, a it's one reason why I really love working with churches. I do a lot of work with churches now, a lot of workshops with churches, because I can speak freely about the need for God in times like this, the need for Jesus to come in and help us all fill that gap. Um, because once person, once someone realizes that they are not less than and that God has filled them 
to the abundance till it overflows even. <laughs> that then they can then go in and do what they need to do. Then they become to get that, that level of confidence because it's hard to have faith in the unseen when you're focused more on the obstacle than the opportunity. And the gap, the, the, Satan wants us to focus on the gap, wants us to focus on where we're short. God wants us to focus on him, the opportunity for the overflow. And when you can focus on it, that, that's why you, even my book, Provisions for Abundance, because when you focus on what God wants you to focus on, you then will start to make provisions for the abundance of where you're going to go. Mm. Um, you start to pack your bags. And when you pack your bags for a trip, you don't pack for where you're at. You pack for where you're going. And you got to believe that that destination is for you to actually put all the things you need for where you're going on the trip. And we're all on a trip. And if all you're doing is focused on your gap and what you're less than, you won't even pack right. You won't even go. You won't even start the journey. You just sit there and go through what many of us are going through. And yes, I've gone through it as well. Depression. Uh, and it's hard, man. That Ooh, we, when you go through that depression, my brother, and I know you talked about your pain, and I, boy, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. And I remember when I was going through my pain, and it literally was one thing at a time. I literally, if I put the toilet roll on the actual roll, that became my accomplishment for that day. It was that, <laughs> that deep where I put, I put the, I made, I took a shower today. Mm. I got up out of the bed today. It's a lot of folks going through that now mm. and we got to get folks out of this and it's going to take Christ to get us out of that. It's going to take a lot of evangelizing what you're doing on this show to remind people that Christ is going to move them to get over that gap. Focus on the obstacle, not focus on the obstacle, focus on the opportunity that Christ presents to us. That's great. That's so good. Ryan, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate so much your heart and, uh, and what, and what you have to say, what you're bringing forward to the world right now. And I'd love for our listeners to connect more with you. Where can they find you? Man, just email me. I'm on, I'm on Twitter, Ryan C Mac, R Y A N C M A C K. Uh, email me. Uh, I, I take a lot of questions. Uh, I tell folks if they have any, I'm the watchdog. So, uh, they want to email me at Ryan C Mac at, uh, gmail.com. Um, any financial question or referral to free uh, resources in your area, we take them all. I'm working in working with ARP Foundation, um, and uh, just just teaching anywhere that we can teach and that folks want to listen, especially churches. Uh, let me know. We love to set up some free Zoom workshops. I'm doing multiple workshops every week. We love to get folks on the calendar just to teach. And what they do is they email me what they want to learn, and I put together a curriculum around that, and I teach. And I do a little promotion to AARP Foundation because they keep the lights on and whatnot. But um, uh, it's just a beautiful thing. So just I just want to help, you know. And if they hit me up, they don't have to worry about being sold because I don't. I'm not selling anything now. I just want to educate folks. So that's awesome, man. I hear from them. That's awesome. Well, I so appreciate your heart. Thanks for spending time with us today. Thank you so much. God bless you, brother.
I thought that was a very practical conversation with Ryan. I, I so hope you enjoyed helpful. it as well. Um, I, he, he kind of stirred up some things as, as I was listening to him and having some conversation with him. I was thinking about this idea of, of, of a mentality that we have. Um, and, and we kind of usually fall on the spectrum somewhere between these two things, but, but basically a prosperity mentality or an abundance mentality versus mm -hmm. a scarcity mentality. Right. And sometimes that term prosperity, especially in, uh, Christian circles can get, uh, it, it seems to have a, a, a bad connotation because of the prosperity right. gospel, which is, right. you know, more, more clearly explained would be, Hey, if you follow after God, then he's going to make you wealthy. And if you're not wealthy, <laughs> right. then you're doing something you're not bad. Following after you're not God. following yeah. after God, you know? And so, and then it's also usually accompanied with, Hey, sow a seed into this ministry, give to this ministry yeah. so that God will return back to you wealth. And that of course is a gross abuse of this idea. That is a false gospel. Exactly. Is absolutely yeah. a false gospel. Um, but I do think that sometimes in Christian circles and in circles in general, we can tend to adopt a scarcity mentality mm -hmm. where we begin to think that, um, uh, we begin to hold on to things because uh, we don't believe that there is um, uh, there is abundance that is accessible to us, and I don't mean abundance from the material standpoint. Right. I mean abundance and blessing from a spiritual standpoint. Um, yeah. And at the same time, sometimes we forget that God is He does want to and He desires to provide for our needs. Yeah, He, he does. does. And so there is, and, and that he has, I mean, scripture says he owns cattle on thousand hill, right? Yep. Like yep. he has everything that we possibly need at his fingertips ready to mm -hmm. give to us. Um, if we're postured mm -hmm. and, and, and our life is able, has the infrastructure, right. To steward that. Um, yeah. and so I think it's hard sometimes for us to like find the, the delineation between these two things. I would, I would agree. We need to have a, an abundance mentality. We need yeah. to we need to know and trust that we serve a God that has everything that we possibly need to accomplish the vision, business owner, organizational leader that God has put on your heart. He's there, right? So follow that vision and provision's gonna follow you. God's gonna take care of it, you know? I think too, like with that, we um tend to think <laughs> it's our stuff, it's our money. Exactly. It's our, you know, and forget like, no, 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 like we're here as stewards of, like you said, what God right. owns and what right. God has given us ownership over. Like it's not, it's not ours. It's right. all from the Lord. And I feel like that can give us an abundance perspective as well, because then we don't feel like oh, I don't have enough. Like, no, no, no. Yep. The Lord has enough. And in his good timing, in his good pleasure, he's going to take care of his little children. Right. So then we become a conduit, a conduit mm -hmm. for the, to steward the resources that God is bringing into our lives, because we understand that the resources he's bringing into our lives is so that we can build the kingdom. It's not to hang on to, it's not to, so we don't yeah. want to clog up this pipeline. I believe yeah. God is looking for people who will steward resources for the kingdom. And, and he's, and I believe and it might, this might feel like a very simple I mean, th this doesn't mean that if you don't have resources that God doesn't trust you with it, that's not necessarily what that right. means, but I do believe right. that there are people that he is looking to say, okay, uh, can I, can I steward these resources them? Cause I know that they're going to use it from a generous standpoint. They're going to yeah. be good stewards they're going to give, they're going to build the kingdom with this. And so, um, you know, I would ask the question, 
of yourself. Am I stewarding everything that's in my hands right now? Well, before you ask God, give me more, you know, mm-hmm. are you stewarding the things that God's put in your hands? Because there's so many parables mm-hmm. in scripture that talk about the importance of stewardship more than yeah. it talks about even the importance of like wealth and having a lot. It's like, what Making are you doing? More, having more. Yes. Yeah. What are you doing with what God has put in your hands right mm-hmm. now? Are you leveraging that to the full extent for the kingdom? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, and then maybe potentially God, you know, um, deems like, Hey, you know, you're stewarding that really well. Good and faithful. Servant. I'm going to trust Here's you with more. a little bit more. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, like I, I just, the Holy spirit, I feel like just put on my heart, people who are struggling financially, mm-hmm. because I know sometimes you can hear us talk like this and it, you can feel like, well, I am doing everything right. right. I am praying to the Lord. Why isn't he providing that job I've been praying for? Or why isn't yeah. he like upping our bank account? And so for you, I, you know, I, I think we've all been there, especially in 2020. That's again, why we've done this series for you on business and finance. And so I would just encourage you to sit with the Lord, allow him to love you. Um, I know Mm. that it's hard and God knows that it's hard. God sees you in this. He has not forgotten. You are more important to him than the little sparrows. And he provides even for the sparrows. And so he will provide for you. Um, But I just want you to know you're not walking in this alone. That's why we've done this series for you. We want you to know that the Lord is with you and will provide for you. One of my favorite stories is of Elijah and the widow from First Kings. I think it's 17. I think it's 17. Where, um, (laughs) you know, this widow has... What she says, I have a handful of flour and just right. a little bit of oil left. Right. That's it. And and Elijah says to her, hey, you know, don't worry about it. Just go bake some bread and God's going to keep resupplying your yeah. needs. And that's something Kevin and I always talk about. God as the <laughs> God of resupply. Oh, that's so good. Here is a God that even when we have a little bit, a little bit, and we offer it back to him, he does somehow supernaturally provide that's for the exactly needs of right. his children because he's such a good God. Some of my favorite seasons, although they don't feel good at the time, but some of my favorite seasons are seasons where I have felt, or my family and I have felt strains financially. And we're kind of sit, we're kind of like, we're, we're sitting back and looking now and going, okay, I wonder how God's going to provide here. Mm-hmm. I want to, like, I can't wait to tell this story of how God supernaturally provides yeah. in this. And if I had, you know, more than enough in those seasons, if we had the means necessary, then we wouldn't get to experience that kind of yeah, miracle. Right. And right. so those are sweet seasons that I look back on and I'm able to give it a, a testimony to God's provision that, and, and, so and it true. also reaffirms in my own heart, who, who am I trusting for my supply? Oh, it's right. the Lord. Everything comes from him. And so it reminds me then that when I do have means that then I can be the, the, the person who is the, what is it? What do you call it? The benefactor? Am I, is the benefactor if you're giving? Yes. Uh, yes. Yep, the benefactor absolutely. to who somebody else is miracle as well, mm-hmm. you know? And so it just, mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's the kingdom right there that God's, he's just, that's what he wants to set up with us as, as believers is this place where we're pr- providing for other people. And we're, pl- you know, providing their supply, uh, in places yeah. where they have need. Yeah, that's really good. God wants to partner with us to provide for other people because he's a God who partners. That's and I right. love that about God. Yes, We are passionate at nothing is wasted about you partnering with God to take back your story, that's whether right. it's a financial struggle, whether it's a grief struggle, whether it's some type of loss or pain. We are here because we 
want to see you partner with God to take back your story. We would actually love to invite you to go to nothingiswasted.com because that is where we have resources for you. We have the Pain to Purpose course. You can hire a certified guide to walk with you through your healing journey. You can join a community group. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com where we have everything for you to partner with God to take back your story. We also want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Download his music anywhere you can stream or download music. You can follow us at Instagram at Nothing is Wasted Ministries. You can follow me at Davey Blackburn and follow Aubrey at Obsamp. Next week on our podcast, we are closing out the business and finance series with a dear friend of mine. I have been wanting to have him on the podcast for a long, long time. I mean, actually, we've gone back and forth about scheduling this for forever. I am looking forward to this one. I finally just said, you know what? I'm going down to South Carolina. We're recording this in person. Uh, that wasn't exactly how it happened. I just I happened to be down there. Oh, this was an on-location one. On-location. Happy to be down there um, speaking at an event, and we decided, let's go ahead and record this while I'm down here. And and you're going to love my friend Joe Sengel. Here's the significance. Without giving away, we'll talk more about him next He did my very first financial coaching when I first came out of college. He coached Amanda and I as we were stepping into our job at New Spring, and he is just unbelievable. Um, This you're gonna love this conversation. So let's just listen to this little clip from my conversation with Joe Sangle. When you have endured pain, when you have endured trauma. And you know how far the Lord has brought you and right. you know how much this journey has helped you. You can't help but want to give it away. So good. And that's really what I feel like I'm doing whenever I I literally believe yep. I'm literally handing people gold nuggets that if they will adapt it to their life will result in them mm-hmm. living what we call a fully funded life, yep. which is being able to do whatever God calls them to do the moment he calls them to do it instead wow. of, oh, wait, I got to go get the money. I got to go get debt free before I do wow. that. Just, I want him to be able to go do it. 